Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Benchtown TV. I am Paul, and with me today are Kyle, Luke, and Dave. And we're here talking The Witcher Season 2, Episode 7, Volithmir, and Episode 8, Family. So Episode 7 will be released first. Episode 8, the finale, will be not too far behind. But for this episode, we're going to be covering Episode 7 with the knowledge of Episode 8, the finale. So I would advise watching the finale before listening to this to avoid spoilers. But with that being said, episode seven, Roll of Mir, a.k.a. The Deathless Mother, wild episode. I was speechless after the first time I saw it. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts starting with our rookie, Kyle? Um, it's kind of hard to talk about it without talking about episode eight a little bit, but I, I really liked it. I, I It finally feels like we're kind of... Like everything's coming together a little bit. Although it's funny, there's a lot of buckets that we have for this episode and different storylines, but it seems like now it's almost like becoming one story versus a lot of people doing their own things in different areas, which is really nice. And there's just a lot of good reunions in this episode. Uh, what it, What is the, is Yarden, is that the dwarf mm-hmm. guy? Yarpin. Yeah. Yarpin. Yarpin. Just he was nice to see. I honestly I hadn't really even rewatched season one before going into this, but I recognized him immediately. So it was nice to see him on screen. And it's just I like watching Geralt interact with characters that aren't Siri, honestly, because it's fun him not being like a dad and him just being like just exasperated at other people, like his age, I guess you could say. So I, I thought it was a really good episode. I'll just cut in really quickly. I really enjoyed it. It, it, Like Kyle said, it's hard to talk about. It's hard not to talk about this episode without mentioning eight, but I thought it did a really good job as the penultimate episode, just bringing us together for that one final episode coming in the end. And these, these, this episode and last episode were a lot of political stuff. It seems like we don't get too much action in these episodes. I think that comes in the next episode a lot overall, still a very solid episode. I think this season I'm, I haven't been on this podcast since the, episodes one and two but really quickly overall i just want to say that this series to me paulus might hurt you a little bit but i have actually been really loving it so far even as a book reader uh i'm, I'm just really happy with the changes they're that they're making i think they're doing them really well with it not being fresh content so shout out to the execs and all the producers on the show they're doing a really good job i think yeah and that's fine i mean that's the goal of the show the show yeah. introduced us or introduce me personally to The Witcher. So like that's, this, that's a good thing. Like to me, this might be my favorite fantasy show right now. Like out of all like Britannia I've watched, Wheel of Time. Like I think this season really put it at the top as of right now. I think Wheel of Time obviously is going to surpass it very soon. But with the second season, I think it really shot up from season one. And I'm so happy to talk about this in the finale. Yeah, I totally just want to reiterate everything Dave just said right there. Um I was just freaking out last night after i watched seven and eight just walking around pacing i just wanted to talk about it i thought they were both incredible and it's so hard for me to say that i like this show right now better than wheel of time but i think i do and like you're saying dave wheel of time is gonna probably beat it once we get another season out there mm-hmm. but i don't know it was freaking fantastic yasker's like so good for me anytime he's on screen and i didn't even remember how much better he is there's synergy with Geralt like not he's fine he was hilarious and he was awesome with with uh Yennefer and he had that great song that was like a part two for him but dude him with Geralt is is just money and then everything they're doing like all these changes 
major plot changes like the monoliths and the spheres and even this deathless mother that are just completely not relevant in the books i'm loving everything that they're doing with it um i think it's it's taking us it's it's a better way to show this world and make us love these characters just because you know netflix has a billion fucking dollars and and Geralt Henry Cavill's the man. He knows his shit, so he's putting his own flavor on it, and he's trying to stay as close to the source material as he can, while also adapting this completely new plot that's just way more up my alley when it comes to fantasy. And sticking with Episode Seven itself, it was you know penultimate. Like we didn't get a lot of conclusions to things, but the seeds were there, and I'm ready to fucking talk about it. I'm glad Geralt is or Henry Cavill can be a part of this show because not only can he be like oh, that's like a ridiculous scene or something like. It, like if a quote becomes too out of the ordinary for a character, he can be there mm-hmm. to just steer it back on the same track as what the books were kind of like. So it's a good, because a lot of the general plot points are covered in the show, which I love. And some of the minor things are adjusted, like the amount of monsters and the amount of witchers. Like that's just something that I've come to deal with. And I think it's really good for the show. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, the show would be garbage if Henry Cavill wasn't involved. I think his passion, yeah. his passion for it, uh, like you can see in interviews for season two, it looked like there was pain on his face because he was trying to say, like, I do the best job I can to bring the source material into the show and like try to relate it as much as possible and do this for the fans. And it looks like he has paint on his face, and I didn't know why. And then I watched season two, and like I watched this episode, Monolith, and I'm like, like wh- what? Like where is this going? Um, so my first watch through, I got to say, I really didn't enjoy it, but kind of getting over myself and separating this from the books, I was like, okay, just think about it separately. It is a really cool concept. Um, thought it was on the second rewatch, I enjoyed it way more. I will say. So I don't know. There's a weird gap between where I want to see characters later on in the series. And now I don't know if they're going to be getting there just because they're going a different path. So I'm just coming to terms with that. Last thing I want to say, though, I did see, you know, I'm because I've read all seven books. I can go onto the Reddit and I can go into the book reader spoilers review and recaps of all these episodes because you get a whole new perspective compared to just show watchers. And it looks like the general sentiment, even among like diehard book fans, is that if you're going to rate the show out of 10 for an adaption, it's like a two out of 10. But if you're rating it just as a fantasy show, most people were above seven and a half. And that's pretty much where I stand, except I would go even higher and say it's like a fucking nine to me right now. Uh, But, you know, I totally agree. As an adaption, this is way worse than like what Wheel of Time did. And it's not even recognizable. If the char- if you change the characters' names, you probably wouldn't even. And The Witcher wasn't so obvious as like a specific thing in fantasy. You wouldn't even know that it's from the same thing. I think a lot of our feelings too, like at least of like the uh, of it not being adapt- adaptable to the books, is that um, it's just like a lot of fear. Like when you stray so far off the books and the source material, you don't know how well it's going to be executed. And I'm sure like Luke and Kyle know for wheel of time, you're just, there's always that back of your mind fear that it's just not going to turn out as well as it could be always. But hopefully like we've been saying, sorry to keep reiterating, but if it stays on this path, I think the Witcher will become to be a very good canonical piece of work for the Witcher series as a whole. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I th- I think it's. I mean, we've been making the wheel of time comparisons 
it's definitely a better TV show than Wheel of Time is. I mean, granted, yeah. it's the second season, but just like even as someone, if you don't know anything about how a TV show is made and you kind of just watch and enjoy, it just like the feel of it, it feels more expensive, more polished, just seems like a better TV show than what Wheel of Time gave us in season one. And then the next thing I'll say, Paul, before I'll hand the reins back to you, is that when you make that that Henry Cavill in, in interviews comment, it just reminds me of Amelia Clark giving all the red carpet interviews before yeah. season eight of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and us like being blinded to it and being like, oh, like, they can't say anything because it's so yeah. good. And then looking back, it's like, oh, it was because it was so terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have much more to say on it. Uh, but like you guys are saying, it's just a really good show. I mean, the, the actors are amazing. And I'm just not even talking about, you know, Henry Cavill, uh, Freya Allen and Anya Charlotta. I believe her name is Yen. Uh, but I'm talking like Vilga Force actor to say his actor. Dijkstra. Uh, Dijkstra. I mean, even though he's kind of a bitch, we, he, he's a great character. I love him. And I think they nailed that, too. That's one of the things they definitely nailed. And Yasker. You know, how can you forget uh, Yasker? Joey up, kills man. it. He's yeah. so freaking good, man. His delivery of just every line that's supposed to be funny, I laugh at. And that's just such a good sign of the actor himself, not even the writing. And like you said, he has so many good lines, it's impossible to write them all down. Otherwise, you just be writing out a script. But that being said about the characters, we are going to cover this episode in character buckets. Um, we're actually going to do it by location. So we're going to start with the Aratusa story. And it's going to be Vilgefortz, Tessaia, Dijkstra, and Fringilla's uncle, Artorius, for a little bit. So Tessaia and Vilgefortz are banging. Wild. That was uh, far too many clothes on. Come back to bed. (laughs) The classic come back to bed line. Yeah, that That was was what. He's a fuck boy. Yeah, he is. He's a good looking dude. I'll give him that. They just kind of go on to say, you know, you're my partner. We're equals almost like you can tell me if something's wrong to say. uh, um, And I don't I don't know if this is them confirming that they got the new positions of authority within the brotherhood. That's how I took it. But yeah, I, I, I don't remember seeing anything that was like, all right, like you are officially. I think that was off screen and it's fine. Like, what do we, we didn't really need to see like a vote or anything. And it seemed it was mm-hmm. so obvious that Stregobor was kind of losing steam. He's racist towards elves and everyone else has like different opinions. And just these two guys are uh, to say it and Vilgefort seem like the up and coming while Stregobor seems like the old now. So I'm fine with them just kind of throwing that as like a happened off screen thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't want to waste any time on things that's not Henry Cavill. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's fine to me. I just, I just didn't honestly wasn't confirmed for me. So I'm glad that you guys got that, too. Um, they say we have an unex- unexpected visitor. It's Deekdra. Uh Redania must be up to something, you know, fucking Redania. Uh, later on, we see them uh, all talking, that being Tissaia, Vilgefortz, Deekstra, Stregobor, and I believe uh, Artorius is there as well. Artorius is there, yes. That and they're talking such a fucking strong name. Yeah, it is really cool. Oh my god, he's it like just exudes a, power. He's like Kingsley Shacklebolt. <laughs> yeah, Kingsley. Yeah, that's a great first yeah. name. Thomas Andre. Yeah, the ultimate example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're talking about this uh, elven baby that was born, um, and not only is it the first elven baby to be born in, in like a really long time but it was born to an elven mage as well so stregobor is freaking out he's like oh my god it's much worse than we feared elves are going to be everywhere 
he's not having a good day. I think I, I really enjoy these, this scene right here because this is actually something that happens in the books. And it's just awesome seeing these characters on screen interacting with each other. And we see how the brotherhood really isn't that close. You know, everyone has their own objectives and goals. They all have their ideas of what the elven blood is, how that's going to play a role into the whole world. But they each have their own objectives on why they want to capture Siri, but they do share some common interests and in like, you know, okay, this is enemy number one. We'll have to get through them to get to Siri kind of thing. And all these characters here are just so strong and so sneaky. Like they're just, they all remind me of Aes Sedai. They're just like, they just, they can, they, I feel like they're telling the truth a lot of time, but they're just kind of like weaseling their way around words and stuff. And uh, I just love to say also to say is Bay and she has been killing it this season in my mind. So to say is saying, you know, only you see a threat where everybody else sees a baby. Shaggy was freaking out saying it's not just a baby. It's a symbol of beacon potential enemy who will live for centuries. So again, he's is just freaking out. Um, but to say a talking to Dijkstra, she's saying, you know, I doubt you came all the way here just to tell us about a baby being born and gossip. So what's the deal? And Dijkstra saying, you know, in my line of work, this week's gossip is next month's news. And he talks about how he knows full tests mage Tris Marigold has returned to Eratusa. And it doesn't really reveal anything. This is just kind of a flex. It's like mm-hmm. Dijkstra just has the best spy network. He knows it's, Seems like he knows everything that's going on. Um, so to say it looks a little worried. He's just Varus with an evil personality, basically, is how I take it. I have a question. Is is Triss still technically like considered full test's mage, or is like Dijkstra just going off of what was happening kind of before the Battle of Sodden? So Triss was full test's mage for a long time. I don't believe she went back. Like she still was when the battle of Sodden happened. Yeah. She, she just kind of left to go fight. So I believe she still is, but she just like, hasn't really recovered. Like she finally recovered and then got called off to care Morn. Yeah. Um, that, that was going to be my question is that like, can Geralt, obviously he's the guy and I would go running to him as well, but I'm just curious of like, was that a little taboo for him to call another kingdom's mage? I mean, I, that's a good point. Like, what Geralt's doing is more important than full tests. Yeah, only because when he said it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a thing." I forgot. How I see it is, <laughs> yeah. is that the mages are all everyone. In, every one of the mages in the Brotherhood basically has the Brotherhood's agenda in mind, and then each of them have their own like sub agendas, and it's pretty much a free for all, from what I understood, because. Technically, Yennefer was the mage when she originally met Yasker when he had like his throat thing going on in the genie episode for the first time in season one. Like she was technically that country's mage, right? And then she kind of just drops it whenever it felt convenient to her because they can really do whatever they want. They're the most powerful people ever. And if you're not like Nilfgaard's mage or like a huge uh, country like Redania, I'm sure people don't care as much. And Foltest is kind of looked down as like a joke among the um other kings because like there's all the rumors about him with the incest and his sister and then like also he's like older and doesn't really have too many aspirations so i just see it as like it's not too relevant because what the hell is Fulta's gonna do just to clear something up you are right 
that it is kind of a free for all just because you are the chair for a kingdom doesn't mean you always have to be there. But Yen, when that whole Yaskier thing happened, I, it was at that point, like she was a rogue. She left the brotherhood. She's doing her own thing mm. um, at that point. So I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, right. And we also know that Triss used to have feelings or still does for Geralt. Like, I mean, that's already been kind of talked about. So she wants to go to someone who she also feels like is not only safe, but someone she can actually trust, not just the brotherhood. That going back to that Trish coming on a Geralt line, like she, he just completely rejects her. And there are so many memes of like Trish saying, Hey, come to bed with me tonight. And Geralt being like, Trish, this is my Yen playthrough. I'll get you <laughs> next playthrough. And then we can do it our story. So that was awesome. I like Trish. Yeah, yeah, man. She's good. I like I her too. Her. Yeah. Yeah. I like Tris. Honestly, it's hard to say, but I, I would say I like her more this episode or this season. I'm sorry. Oh. Than season I thought one. you were going to say some wag shit comparing her to Yennefer. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I think everything about Tris is, is good except how she reacted to Siri. And we kind of beat that to death yeah. in the last podcast. So. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify. I am team Yen. Okay. So <laughs> put that out there. Um, so Dijkstra kind of just drops a little nod to, oh, like she came back with a stomach illness and all the stomach illnesses were coming up from the mountain. So he kind of knows where Trish was coming from up north in Caramorn. Just more flexing. He kind of leaves and then Trish, or I'm sorry, Tisei goes and talks to Trish. And they were just kind of talking about old times of when she was, when Trish was actually at Eretuza. To say it reveals to Trish that, you know, I saw Cirilla of Sintra at Sodden with a white-haired witcher. I didn't know who she was at the time, but they were looking for Yen, and they believed she was dead. This is to say it's saying the info you told me about Siri when you performed the Dalduza on Siri, that vision quest thing. Uh, she's wondering who else knows, and only the witchers and to say it. Trish doesn't trust anyone else, but right as she says that, Vilgasor force runs in. He's like, tell me everything. <laughs> to say is like, bro, it's not what we planned. She's not ready yet. This so a, Trish doesn't a, trust Vilgaforce. Yeah, this is a very uh like at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> fuck that distracted me what was i gonna say <laughs> we haven't seen really this side of Vilga, Vilgaforts. like he's been very calm and he's been someone we've seen as a more me- level-headed person in the room it seems like like Stregobor is always outspoken on what he believes district did uh, i can't ever pronounce the name jickstra is always in the background listening and we just know that he's somewhat of a voice of reason so here in this moment we see this abrupt anger almost that Tris was holding out this information and he's really hounding her. And it's just this different side of him that we haven't seen in the series just yet. And I think this is going to be an important scene for future events, as we can tell, because of the tension that it creates with him and Tissaia. Cause he, he does go on to say like the importance of all this when he's like freaking out and Tris runs away, like, yo, this is all about Siri. She has the chance to end not just this war, but all wars forever. And that's pretty much the whole theme of this episode mostly next episode too. But Kyle, I want to ask you, what do you think Vilgefortz's priorities are like about? Like, do you think, hey, I'll just leave that open-ended. Uh, the note I have is just that Vilgefortz is a fuck boy. <laughs> like you think he's- He's a gaslighting motherfucker. Do you think he's, when you're saying he's a fuck boy, is he like, 
anti the Brotherhood or anti Syrian Geralt, or is he like you just don't like I how mean, he treats Tissaia? Well, he's definitely not pro Syrian Geralt. I don't think. I think that he has his own designs about what Ciri's potential is and how he can use her as a tool. So I don't think anyone that has that kind of mindset is pro Siri at all. Mm-hmm. And anyone with that kind of mindset, they're not on my squad. I don't fuck with them. <laughs> um, That's a good way to put I don't, it. I just think that him, just because of what we know, I guess, or rather what they showed us, what they want us to think, I guess, at the end of episode, I'm sorry, season one, that he's like not really on our side. Mm-hmm. I just don't trust him at all. I can't tell if he's like working hard for Nilfgaard. They do try to like build up Nilfgaard as this. They're the villains. So I guess it would kind of, it's easy to make that logical assumption that he's w- working with Nilfgaard to do whatever the hell Nilfgaard wants to do. But okay. I just don't like, I like, I thought he had swag, even though we know he's bad kind of in the beginning of the season. But this episode, this scene was like, kind of the final straw like i don't really fuck with this guy mm-hmm. i just don't like the way that he treats tris and Tessaya in this scene i think he cool. does mean like well i think his intentions are good it's just the means of how he's going to get there is a little from what we see here is might be a little disturbing like you said like just anti-siri for the most part like just as a tool he sees her yeah he's super means justify the end or i'm sorry ends justify the means kind of yes. guy yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just think that I just didn't like the line of, you know, when he's trying to butter to say up like, you're my most trusted confidant and all this shit like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait for you to treat me like that. It's like, fuck off, pussy. Like, you know, <laughs> you're fucking lying to her, you little bitch. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was saying, you know, send your mages out, find this girl, priority number one. Trish, or to say is saying, I'm not sending my girls after something and putting them at risk that could possibly kill them. Forge freaking out saying i wouldn't ask you to do it unless it was completely necessary like as soon as he raises his voice to say it just turns around and walks out i love that and that um, also we also were just talking about available forces plans of what he imagines like what his kind of side quest is and here we see that to say is all about her girls just she wants them to just be very prosperous she doesn't seem to care about Siri. If anything, she wants her dead just because life was good before Siri arrived in the world. <laughs> and it just threatens her sister or her daughters, basically. So, and yeah, that was it for the era to the timeline. There's a one more scene. We're going to get to with Artorius, the, the badass name guy. We're going to mm-hmm. cover that in this character bucket, which is the Sintra or Zintria uh, location. And it's Kahir, Frangilla, Dara, Francesca, Philip Andrew. This is this was great. This was great. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. So I've said this a million times. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I'm going to say Hake, the Nilfgaardian general. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Frangilla, and they're saying, Frangilla saying to him, like, are you sure they sent a spy? Yeah, because that's what I would have done. Um, he's talking shit on all the elves, dwarves, and halflings. The security, all- the security shit in the yeah, city. It- Exactly. He, he's having a fit and Frangilla's just trying to save people. Uh, Hake isn't having any of it. Frangilla's saying we need to like, rebuild our forces. And Kahir's kind of being the mediator. He's kind of playing both sides. He's he's like, yeah, we do need to rebuild our forces, but you know, we can't just trust them before we know where their allegiances lie. So he's kind of like in between Hake and uh, Frangilla. But then they get to the subject that half of the elves didn't muster for training. And this was because of the child's birth. It was super late and the uh, celebration went late into the night. 
but you know, there's uh Nilfgaard that is all the Nilfgaard generals are not happy about it. Fuck Nilfgaard, let them elves party, baby. Celebrate yeah. that birth. And like the whole issue is that Amir is gonna be arriving tomorrow and basically just get your shit together because yeah. the fucking emperor is coming. Um he I- calls him pointies <laughs> when he's talking about the elves. It, 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 I just thought that was hysterical. Like that's a derogatory term. It's pointies. Mm-hmm. I Man, hate are racist in this show. Yeah, I hate Hake, and I I don't love Frangilla. Well, I actually probably despise Frangilla as well. So the fact that I feel <laughs> kind of bad for her too in this scene just shows that I just can't stand Hake. And yeah. when we get into that later scene, I was like foaming at the mouth. I was like, "Let's go, baby, yeah. justice." <laughs> I had written here that they really just need to kill this guy. <laughs> the two of them are, I feel like are so powerful that they could easily just do it. I guess some type of political thing is holding them back from doing so. Frangel obviously throws that the fuck out the window a little bit later. But one thing that I just can't stop looking at Kahir and in my opinion, how ridiculous he looks. I just, he like, he, I feel like it looks like he's just walking around in pajamas with some like blowout haircut that makes him look like Christopher Walken. <laughs> I was thinking, dude, that when he turns dude, his yeah. head, it just keeps going. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> I just like look at his hair; it's so voluminous, and his outfit is so like pajama like. Mm-hmm. It just, it just like, it's so different than like the picture I have in in my head of him from like season one and like this general like commander of the forces. It just kind of makes me laugh in the penis suit too. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> foreskin suit. Foreskin, sorry, sorry. Foreskin. Uh, yeah, so this basically boils down to Fringilla doesn't trust all these Nilfgaardian generals. Um, she's saying, hey, Kahir, why should I even trust you at this point? Kahir's, you know, saying, hey, do you really think I'd tell you all this if I wasn't on your side? Everything I do is for the white flame. So it seems that the Nilfgaardian generals and Frangilla are just clashing and, and Kahir's somewhere in the middle. And then we get this brutal scene. Uh, Hake, I hate that name too. I just hate this guy all, all together. I'm so glad we don't have to talk to him after this episode. Um, <laughs> but we have this really brutal scene. There's this young girl tied on, tied up and she's on the edge of the battlements and Hake is accusing her of trying to breach the castle. Oh, she must be the spy. She's saying, oh, all I did was look for food. I'm innocent. Hake's like, hey, are you going to do it or, or is wife to do it? Oh, Fringilla, you're talking all this big game of I'll take care of the elves, put them in line. She doesn't do anything. Pushes. So Hake says, you know, fine, I'll do it yourself, myself. Pushes her off the ledge. I hate that they showed the, the snap and the bounce. I just, ugh, brutal. Yeah, the bounce is rough. I really thought Fringilla was going to save her. I, I genuinely thought she was going to go in and stop it. But And then we saw the bounce, and I was not about it. It was a really dark scene, even for the Witcher here, I would say. They're getting paranoid. Yeah. There's, like, multiple bodies hung up. So oh, yeah. yeah there's, that There's, like, a full-on investigation. Time has passed since they found out that there's a spy there. And Dar's looking up, and he sees this, and he's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why are they killing all these elves? We're supposed to be on the same team. Um, you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, we go to Francesca and Philavandrel, and they're still in awe over this baby. This is like what the first morning they have together with it. So they're still trying to name it. And Frigilla comes in and she's pissed because she's saying half your fighters failed to show this morning. Oh, well, yeah, many of us had to change our heart. Frigilla's like, well, fucking change them back then because <laughs> we had a deal. 
And Phil Evangel goes on to say, I never intended to fight for Nilfgaard. Francesca convinced me to initially, but now she gave us even a greater reason not to. It's time for us to rebuild and grow strong again. I mean, they have not to happy. know that that's a wild thing to say to her. Oh, yeah. Just like how- go back on your deal completely. Yeah, it's like – and the, especially because this was an expected outcome. Like they – we're anticipating her having this child at very least. I mean, I guess I don't know how long elves, what is it? Gesticulate. Is that what the, the term is? Gestate. I don't know. Yeah. We know women. Yeah. I I know all about women and (laughs) like they had to have known this was coming for months. It's just like, it's obviously I'm completely understanding of Frangilla's viewpoint, even though like Dave, I don't really like her that much. I totally get why it's like, yo, what the fuck? Like this was, this is part of the plan. This is not an unexpected, unforeseen circumstance. Mm -hmm. Like that was your side. This is my side. Like what the fuck's going on here? I think the elves also could have just been playing into that. Just like feeding them like, yes, yes. Just because they wanted a safe place to give birth for this child. Just if they had just done it out in the middle of nowhere, you know, who knows who would have just came and tried to wipe them out. I'm not yeah. defending that. I still think, yeah, they just blatantly went back on their word of just wanting to fight. But yeah. that was, to me, the only defense I could think of and in that moment. My first thought about this was like, what the hell does this mean? Like with the deathless mother and the whole like deal that they had and stuff, because I think we at least were led to believe we're never explicitly told, though. But uh, Frangilla's was, you know, favor from uh, Amir. Plus, like, this whole union with the elves. So, like, that clearly was just going to get destroyed. I was just curious. I thought that was what's going to lead to the baby's death, like, when they started breaking their deals with the Deathless Mother. But, um, yeah, that was, like, that's that's what they talk about, actually, as soon as uh, Phil, Phil Evandro leaves the room. And then that's when Francesca drops the line about, you know, blood's thicker than water, basically. Like, elves over our friendship. And I value your friendship, but you're not my baby. And speaking of which, if you didn't pick up on it, Kyle, because they don't, they, uh, the, they settled on the name of Fiona, and then that is actually Siri's second great middle grand. name, because they say Siri's full name at the beginning of episode eight, and Fiona is. It's also a great, like great great grandmother or something. Yeah, like if yeah. you go back to that like tree, mm-hmm. and it yeah, stops right where it stops is actually Fiona. So it's also um what uh, that's Shrek's wife. Yeah, it mm. is Shrek's wife. Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> I think our ogres ogres are confirmed in this world. Ogres they just don't look. The they least. just don't look anything like Shrek. Mm. Uh, but exactly what Luke said. Uh, Francesca saying, you know, blood's thick in the water. We're friends. I appreciate that. But I'm going to do what's best for my family. Yeah. Stay healthy. Later. See ya. So what is That's what is Fringilla? What does Fringilla do? She bounces to Aratusa to her. Only family she has, and she's like, "Hey, I fucked up. Like, I might need to flee. Can you guys help help me out?" Um, she portals over to uh, her uncle Artorius's office, and he's like, "How dare you show your face here after lying to us at the conclave and then attacking us at Sodden?" And I'm like, "Yeah, fuck Frangilla. Why is <laughs> yeah, why is Frangilla even like partially thought of as a good person? She's straight evil." killer man as soon as she shows up to the brotherhood that's like you just death she knew she knew the one person that she could go to was the uncle because and then she flips the whole script Mm -hmm. she's like blood's thicker than water (laughs) and i'm just like fuck you i hate you (laughs) 
Yeah, she does. She brings up the, you know, you're my only family, please. Family is like the strongest bond there is. Just straight pulling that front Francesca's line. I'm curious about, they have the line where it's like, she says, oh, I bet, you know, me coming in here set off a bunch of alarms, but I'm just curious. And I know you guys have mentioned a little bit that the magic system is fairly soft of like, could this just happen to anyone at any time? Like she could someone. just portal someone into her uncle's office and they could just kill him. Yeah. Portals, portals are pretty liberal in yeah, the Witcher universe of how broken they are. They're pretty I, fucking broken. I, it's funny you say that because I actually thought in this scene, she just kind of portals in and he's just writing. I was like, what if he was jerking off? Like, what if he just walked in there, our uncle completely naked, like taking a dump? Like, there's no knocking on the door with portals. I would rather do that than him fucking jerking off. (laughs) Kyle, do you remember from season one? It's like a very brief scene when Yennefer is actually being chased by the Nilfgaardian agent. She's just every five seconds, like portaling somewhere else. So that just kind of shows you it's basically it's not doesn't take a lot of effort, I guess. Well, she runs out of gas, though, doing She that. does eventually. And I will also add that I really hope this becomes a plot point. There's, there are specific portals in the Witcher world that take you extremely far distances. And I think that would maybe that's like a limitation is like the distance where you can portal. It's hard to get a grasp of like the, the map, monolith. especially as only a show um, yeah. watcher, because you don't really know. Like the distance, I, be, I think, between where the Brotherhood is and Nilfgaard's kind of situated at this point is not that far because it's in Sintra, right? Yeah. 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 Because that, that's just, pretty yeah. damn close, I think, on the map. So, like, you know, maybe that will become a thing later in a later season. But it also seems like they're pretty good at like indoctrinating these mages and whipping them into shape. Yeah. In terms of being, I guess, good guys in their eyes. I don't know how many rogue mages will get total. We have that that fire guy who I kind of like. And obviously, Fringilla has gone off the deep end a little bit. So I guess it's, I just feel like I'd be paranoid all the time. And I think to what we were talking about to go off that is just that the, I think the level of mate, like the trust in the mage is at least somewhat there. I know we were talking about how there's rivalries and there's people butting heads constantly, but there is a level of trust where it's like, even for Fringilla to be able to come back and like not immediately just get like bolted down. It's just like, they're they're so close knit and like a lot of their a lot of their individual objectives is all for the mages as well. So I just think that at the end of the day they are pretty close to each other and yeah. Sure she would get arrested on the spot, but I think there is a level of like and and even if and if it's very rare too in cases for someone to step out of that brotherhood, let's mm-hmm. say like Rienz, for example, who is not only a mage is a strong one, but you know, he can't really teleport either. It seems like it seems like every time he's left it's been someone, his master, who's been doing it, you know? So it well, might yeah. be, a, it might also be a very difficult spell for very like inner circle people. So another last point is just that uh, it's hard to grasp from the season one, but I know we've talked about it off podcast a lot, just to reiterate there, they train in Aratusa for decades. Like Yennefer is old as shit and, and you yeah. don't really see that. And you, if you're just kind of casually watching, you're not picking up on that. So hypothetically, Frangillo could have been training for like 40 years. Like that's not going to get destroyed by one decision of, I mean, it will get destroyed. Like they don't trust you anymore, but they're not going to just kill you. Someone you've been around for 40, 50 years, whatever it is. Yeah. The question was coming from the perspective of, I know, like in a lot of magic systems, there's the concept of wards and type of defenses against that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess I was just curious if that was a thing here. I think that would in, be in more... the wheel of time. There's like things like wards. There's, I mean, there's a gentleman's agreement 
of not using certain types of magic. I was just kind of curious if there was like any type sure. of like lore around that. Yeah, and I think Aratusa itself has a pretty strong defense system. Like anyone besides a mage, like if you're just like Geralt running guns a blazing trying to get into Aratusa, like I just don't think that's gonna go well for anybody, you know. Yeah, I was just about to say Aratusa being there probably has its own lords. Um, so it's I doubt you could spread wards very far outside of like a specified location oh yeah i would just want to do it to my office i wouldn't want this fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. just portaling into my office like this Fuck and yeah you're my niece i think you you nailed it when you said there's like different levels of portals like if you're really good maybe you can get one through a ward maybe most people can't fringilla like luke was saying she's just uh, i would say master magician uh master she mage is. the fact that I'm, she uses fire kind of already shows that a little bit yeah, we saw at the that at sacrificing the of, people. <laughs> yeah, at the cost of sacrificing people, but she was still capable of doing it without herself burning. But her uncle says, like, hey, you can return to Eratusa. You would just have to apologize to everyone. She's like, oh, apologizing for Nilfgaard, for aligning with Nilfgaard. He's like, nah, for believing that you could have any impact there at all. You just got to say, hey, sorry. Sorry, I thought I was more than worthless. Um and the thing that really pushes her over the edge, her uncle says, there are those who are obsessed with finding power and those who know their place. You know yours because you wouldn't have come back here if you didn't. Basically calling her a little weak, softy ass. Saying, that pisses her off to know. Yeah, you, know you know your place. We have a short Dara scene where he's talking to his damn Al. So he's saying, you know, of course I'm nervous. I'm a spy behind like enemy lines. Um, as a child, I watched Sintra's Soldiers Murder My Kind. Now I'm watching Nilfgaard do the same. It was supposed to be like my safeguards. And he feels awful because he knows that Nilfgaard generals are looking for a Redanian spy, aka himself, and just killing others of his kind. So he's also saying he feels so guilty. And now that he's seen El celebrate the birth of a baby, seeing the that elven baby in her, in her mother's arms like he doesn't care about redania anymore he doesn't care about syria or nelfgaard anymore all he wants to do is help keep that flame of elven passion alive and i think that goes into why they bailed as well like we get it yeah. not only king Fol uh not king foltis um, phil evangel and francesca's point of view like them having a child but it also impacted those who are watching, you know, like even like this is just more perspective on this is why we gave up fighting is because now we with the birth of this child. Can I also get a refresher on why the elves can't just bang? Because after a certain amount of years, after like okay. a human lifetime, they can't have kids anymore. And the younger generation that was able to have kids went off to fight a war and they basically all died. Okay. So the younger, the only generation that could have kids, the youngest ones died. So they're like, well, shit, we're just a bunch of old people who can't have kids anymore. Mm -hmm. So they so know they're about rare. to go extinct. Yeah. So it's very rare. Still not a huge Dara fan, but whatever. Yeah. I just, I don't get his, I guess this is his role now. He's, he's just an elf. young enough to have a child. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I totally agree. To tango though. Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, we get to the crazy scene. Oh, this my scene. God. This scene mm. was so fucking cool. Mm. Holy Kahir, shit. Kahir and the other generals just talking shit on Fringilla at dinner. 
the cake is saying Amir is going to come here, um, take one look at this disaster and be head for Angela right away. Uh, you know, Kahir's kind of playing both sides. He's saying we're supposed to be on the same side, searching for Princess Cirilla. And Hake saying, you know, we'll find her as soon as we get rid of Fringilla's dead weight. So Kahir's kind of going back and forth. Um, Kahir's saying, hey, if we don't get the girl, all of our heads will be on the chopping block. But before he finishes that sentence, everybody just freezes. All the generals just cannot move. You can kind of see their eyes darting around just a little bit, but they start freaking out. And in walks from Jilla, cool, confident. I have so much resentment for my Eretus in training that I forget there were bright spots. Botany, for example. Where else could you have learned the paralytic qualities of Nightshade and how to mask it in a glass of mead? What did you guys think of this shit? Uh, me, I'm starting. I fucking love <laughs> this fucking scene, dude. It was... Sh- this was just like, it was basically the end of episode one of The Magician. Spoiler right? Everybody freezes. The beast walks in and literally takes an eye out of someone, whatever. There's so many yeah. parallels to the end of The Magicians. But I just was so impressed with how dark they went because like, okay, Frangilla was a bad bitch at the end of last season when she's murdering Nilf Guardians. But this to me was gruesome, like Game of Thrones level gruesome. And just like the slow stab into the eye. And then the slice of the throat and then the, you know, like the the cool, like warrior execution into the back of the neck, like down the spinal cord. I was just like jaw on the floor. Like, this is so badass. Of course, I knew she wasn't going to kill Kahir because she needs some sort of um, credible source to back up her reasoning of why she just murdered a bunch of Nilf Guardian generals to when when Amir gets there tomorrow. You know, that's good enough. And also, she always kind of seems to have like a semi. uh sympathetic relationship with Kahir. Like they don't hate each other or anything like that. So I, all I'll say is just fucking pure badassery. So cool. Haven't seen it done like that in that way. Just awesome. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm, does this happen in the books? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. I can't imagine. It seems like this would be something that would, <laughs> from what you guys talk about the books, it seems like this would be something more that maybe a witcher would do. I was shocked but- that, like Luke said, the level of almost brutality. She does it very calmly too. I just it seems like this is not the first time she's ever done something like this. Um, it's just a great scene. Fringilla, she is a roller coaster of a character. Mm-hmm. I feel like because we get scenes where it's like, "Yo, fuck her," and then there's scenes like this where it's like, "We all hate Hake." So it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, this is fucking sick. Like I like watching this, which is kind of a fucked up viewpoint, I guess, but. Um, I don't know. I just, I really like that she's kind of starting to take control now. She seems much more of an intimidating person versus the scene before when she's kind of shriveling up at her uncle and she's just a better character when she's like this. Um, love that you mentioned the roller coaster because I was going to go there as well. I think this scene really just makes, she's kind of fluctuating between these two sides almost. It seems like she, yes, she mass murdered a bunch of people at Sodden Hill, even her own, but like, eh. We also in this season get a side of her where she's, you know, a little friendlier to she's very friendly to Francesca and they do have a really good bond. We see in that one uh, scene. And but here I think she's just like fed up with her being soft at this point in time. She's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I forgot my roots. I forgot why I felt like sought out power in the first place. And it was to put people like these in their fucking place. And she just goes off right here. And it was a fantastic scene. This is really her just just solidifying herself as like, I am for the white flame and I will do whatever the fuck I will have to, to make sure that 
I like I I am respected in his eyes. And I know that felt so good. Oh my god, she probably and, walked out of that room and was like, "Dude, yeah, that was like, fucking sick." <laughs> my question is, do you guys think they didn't die right? Like when all of them, but. Hey, but do you think like in that moment, do you think they were just experiencing that pain yeah. as like they were frozen? And then once she left the room is when they died. That just sucks. That, that I mean, just the one guy hard. bled out. Yeah. yeah. When she, she held like, the, went up when she held the knife to the eye, it was like a split second in my mind. I was like, oh, she's just going to make a threat. And without hesitation, just slides it in. I was like, Whoa. dude, I was so happy. That just felt yeah. like a satisfying kill for me. But uh, Paul, before you jump in and, and comment too, um, Kyle, I don't. As we've been going along, I think up to this point, to me now, Frangilla is the farthest from her book counterpart, like maybe across the board. I can't think of someone off the top of my head. Like I thought it was Gahir in the beginning of the season, but he's kind of sorting, reverting to what I thought he was. But Frangilla is just, to me, a complete, like the maybe the most different character. So like all of this is just unexpected. It can cause jaw-dropping moments for us because I don't know where they're going with her. And she's just like taking these wild turns. Yeah, I mean, just completely different character and slapped on the same name as Frangilla at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going on and saying, you know, she brought up the night that Yennefer came in and actually stole her seat of Adern. She was supposed to be basically dancing with the Adern king. Um, and Yen came in, swooped it. And from that lesson, uh, she learned that whenever a lesser light tries to smother yours, you do not sit there and take it. So guess what? You're all dead. And she mm-hmm. goes to Kahir. Just real quick, yes or no? Did you guys know if she was going to kill Kahir or not? I guess Kyle. I didn't think she was going to know. Didn't? Yeah. Too much build up of him. Um, I honestly didn't know either. But she uh, you can't take down Chris for walking like that. I know. <laughs> but like Luke said, she needs a witness to say what I did was correct. So when the emperor gets here, rave. And as she's doing all this, uh, she kind of does hear the Deathless Mother like laughing in the back of her head, saying, you know, the power will be yours um, if, if you do the right thing and all this. So she still does hear Volithmir back there. That snake. <laughs> <laughs> so, bucket, right? yeah, we just we just see the Deathless Mother laughing and like her fingers kind of just becoming ashes and disappearing. But we're going to jump real quick to Redania and we're going to cover King Vizimir and Dijkstra's talk. And all it was, was Dijkstra coming in and basically saying what's happening with the elephant baby, um, how Dara had a change of heart and they no longer have a spy. Um, and Vizimir's pissed. He's like, dude, I pay you to fix problems, not just tell me problems. And Dijkstra's like, don't worry, don't worry. This is a good thing. You know, if our goal is to destabilize the continent, Bedlam is good news. So they are in a very good position, and Deistra has many more irons in the fire to go as well. Mm-hmm. I know That's- that Vizimir is a king, but it just, I, I, it always makes me feel not weird. I don't even know the right word, but like when there's like royalty king leadership characters who act like he acts towards someone like Deistra, like why wouldn't the goal to like, be to make this guy your boy like why wouldn't you want to like it just doesn't seem like the type of i mean i guess i you get the trope that like you know they're all fucking dumbasses and bad people because they're power hungry and whatever blinded by power but this seemed the whole time i'm thinking like why you gotta act like this like this guy's 
this guy's the fucking man. Like he is out here. He's the homie. He's team you so hard. So why well, you got to give him a reason to be upset at you? Did you imply, you, you know, he's not a mage, right? Yeah. Oh, I know that. Okay. I thought you were implying that like, you know, work with your mages that care for you and stuff. No. But yeah. No, no, I agree. I think Vizimir's goes about everything wrong, but that's kind of the point in the Witcher world. Like all the Kings and Queens are such like pawns. And it's really yeah. like the political movement of Justin, like Wheel of Time. It's like the Aes Sedai. It's 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 all the Brotherhood. So I don't know. It to me, it feels like Chiksha is like more powerful in Redania than Vizimir is almost. Yeah, and that's why it's like I don't want. It's not cringe to watch it happen, but it's like, bruh. yeah. And like we get the, out of your ass. We get the perspective too. Like every king agreed is for the most part, just your stereotypical asshole. But even the ones that we do like have seen to kind of grow attached to, like even Calanthe, she Calanthe had her the best. She had her major flaws though. You know, she was extremely racist towards elves as well. Like it, they all have major flaws. Some obviously more glaring than others. Like Vizimir, I think this is very book accurate too. He's just like kind of sits on the throne all day and just expects the world to just be handed to him. Mm-hmm. And he just, I think it's just privilege at that point in time. It's just like he was raised to believe he was better than everyone else. And he clearly thinks that here. And it's just not the case because Jigstra would just wreck him. Like he Dude, could just Dijkstra would fucking rip him in half. He would just have so much like physically and just literally like uh, not literally politically. Yeah. Politically. He would just have so much dirt on the guy. He could just yeah. ruin his day. It's like he's never seen him with his shirt off before. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Kyle. I don't know why. Vizimir is just a bum. Um, he even like threatens him. He's like, let's hope for your sake that it's true, Dijkstra. It's like, dude, has a talking out, bro. Like, what are you going to fucking do? <laughs> yeah. And then he, the way he was whipping knives and shit. And like, I don't know. Yeah. He's a badass spy. Uh, that's it for them. Uh, we have a real quick Rience and Lydia scene. Um, this is Rien's post Temple of Militile. Um, he's saying, after I saw Sirius Gate through a portal, I fled as well. Well, actually, I didn't flee. I didn't have enough strength to open the portal myself. I was too exhausted. So he was aided by somebody. And you go on to think that it is Lydia's um, employer. So uh, he goes on to say, you know, fine, you little lunatic. Like, I'm never going to meet your employer. Like, you you keep saying he's going to be here. And he just never serves up. So you can have this vial of series blood. It's the trial of grasses potion. So he basically says, if you run your test and it works, your mask will be here in an instant. So might as well just take it. She's all excited. Goes over. She's like, oh, blood tracing is simple. We're going to be able to find her. No problem. Mages have been doing this for centuries. You know, though I got to admit, most of my test subjects are normally dead. So I don't know what this is going to lead to. She puts on her fingers, inhales it. Don't see the aftermath until the finale. All you hear is her screaming and hitting the ground. I say let's put a pause in this because it'll be a lot more fun to talk about all this next episode. But yeah, I can't wait like, to talk about that. It was like never doing drugs in your life and like meth being the first drug <laughs> <you> try. Like <laughs> that's like the vibe I got from that scene. That's basically what happened. <laughs> yeah, she's fucked up. She's like, oh yeah, I've smoked weed before. Oh, let me try some <laughs> meth. <laughs> yeah, let me hit that. Let me hit that. Exactly. So you just assume she's fucked up. And when you see her next episode, it definitely pays off. We'll get there. 
So that's going to do it for the Brienne's Lydia scene. And then we're going to jump over to my personal favorite character bucket, Geralt and Yaskier, just because I love Geralt so much. And I love Yaskier. (laughs) (laughs) I love Yaskier so much, too. It's honestly Geralt, Yaskier, and then like Yen and Siri, just a little bit below, and then everybody else. Yes. But we see Geralt at the Temple of Militilli still. He is looking at the aftermath of all these dead bodies. The Michelet brothers, I believe that's their name. Michelet, yeah, whatever they were. Sees that they were paid in Redanian crowns. So, you know, he's thinking Redania. He knows that these men were after Siri and that he needs to find her. So, Ninica, I need you to open a portal for me. She does uh, do something really cool. She pulls a flower off the brooch and then kind of like heals Geralt's arm. And I was like, okay, there you go. You're sticking with your, your rules. That's good. Uh, I actually that doesn't one. happen often. I wrote Nynaeve a couple times by accident in my notes <laughs> here. I don't know why. I was just like, Krenne, Nynaeve, I just couldn't remember. And then you said Neneke, and I was like, oh, shit. So we get our boy, Yaskir, in an Oxenfurt jail. He just got caught. He was looking for Yen, got caught. Um, and he is singing a banger yet again because he only has bangers. Just lock me up and sock me up and throw away the as he's playing the spoons. Yeah. Um, go Wait. fuck yourself, you horsin, because you're through fucking with me. Loved it, <laughs> Kyle. Uh, if it wasn't kind of obvious, Oxenfer is they actually don't really show it that much in the show, so it, it probably isn't obvious, but it is like a it's a super renowned university, so it's basically uh Oxford. Okay. Yeah. And in the books, yeah, definitely Yask- that vibe no, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it was obvious. <laughs> I, I only said it was obvious because of the name change, but that wasn't obvious at all. Uh, he is like Yasker's in the books is like a legend there. Like he was like an, I think he was like an alumni basically. And when he's walking around, people are like, oh my god, like Yasker. So it's just cool that you know it's a good setting for a lot of shit happens there at least around this okay. part of the books. It's like uh, it's like when we go back to Penn State. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So guards freaking out. He's like, dude, shut up. Fine. I'm going to take a piss as he goes to take a piss. Who else is there? But Geralt knocks him out real quick. But during the scuffle, Yashke is like, dude, like, have you no manners? We're practicing here. He's like, sorry, We're gentlemen. Practicing. We're yeah. practicing. <laughs> oh my God. After the first song, he starts talking to his mice and he's like, guys, you were a little pitchy. Gordon, you were amazing. Yeah. Talent, rec- talent recognizes talent. All right, let's go again. Oh my God. I laughed so hard when he singles out the one red. <laughs> Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he says, you know, sorry, boys, I need to go handle this gentleman's lack of the quorum real quick. And as he's standing up, who comes in but Gerald? And first thing he says is, fuck it. Just hugs him. <laughs> Dude, Dave, you I texted got- in the chat. I, I loved. It. I watched this episode earlier today, and immediately I was like, "This scene was great! Oh my god, the reunion! Loved it! It was so good!" And Yasker, because so, we know Yasker is so pissed at Geralt, like he was talking shit on him for a couple episodes now. The song is this, about the him. song is about him getting fucked over, and then he's just like, "Fuck it!" He just once he sees his face, he can't hide his his emotions. Yeah. Bro, I got chills from that i thought it was so freaking good how how yasker's like actor just sold obviously Geralt's actor can't do anything because he can't react and stuff like that so yasker just was so good man he's like fuck it and then oh that god un- it was he so does good. unload on, he unloads on him a little bit as 
Yasker has every right to do, mm-hmm. but I just this was a phenomenal scene here. I can't I believe it. they haven't seen each other since the dragon episode, which is like the same Yarp and episode. Quite a few yeah. years. I mean, what? How old is Siri? It's been that many years. Because he says he saw Siri in the womb. That was basically the last time he was with Geralt. So well, no. 15 years. Well and Kang was at least a decade. Siri though, was, was Siri was born. She was probably like eight or nine during okay. Kangorn. Um, I'm pulling that out of my ass. It, always it's been eight. A, it's always eight. If you don't know, it's when it's a kid, you just always go for eight. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a long, long time. Um, Yaskier is still yelling at him about it, though. He's like, left me on a mountain. Have you seen my shoes? I basically slid down to Kangorn. Just, I wish I had more lines, but it, like we said, we just would have had an entire book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Geralt's finally like, all right, I need your help. You can you can yell at me later, but I need your help. It was fine. Give me one moment. Goes back to the mice. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. <laughs> Bows as he's leaving. He looks at Gary. He's like, what? I made new friends. Get over it. Yeah, get I, over it. I always <laughs> love I love when he calls out Geralt for having emotions because like he's so good at like hiding them and or like not saying it usually. So when he's just like, maybe not specifically for the mice, but Geralt would get a little jealous if he saw Yasker with a new group of people, you know. And I just love that Yasker knows that and could just attack him for it. And it's just so funny. And even Geralt is has a sigh and like a, a soft smile. He's just like, I fucking miss this guy, basically. Yeah. And I'll take us through the next scene because Jesus, there's so many freaking funny parts in this. And I just love it so much because they escape the prison, obviously. And they're going to, they're starting to catch up as they leave town and they actually end up going to like a lake, whatever. Yasker wants to like take a bath. And can I just say my boy is way more ripped than I thought he was. Thought the same thing. He took took his shirt off. I was like, whoo, did not expect that from the skinny, the skinny bard. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Paul sexiest scene. Yes. Gotta cue the music. Fuck yes. <laughs> cue the sax. Yeah, Yaskier has cum gutters. Just straight up. That's what straight he has. Up. Dude, and he is keeping the chest hair and everything and it looks great i mean i, I don't know if alki's been watching the show but i'm <laughs> sure he was like bro hell yeah and dude the progression of him talking to himself while Geralt is listening about yennefer because he casually mentions like oh yeah like we were together blah blah she lost her magic and he keeps going and she goes wait she lost her magic and he's like yeah it was great and then he's like unless she <laughs> lied fuck Yasker you moron and he just like starts yeah. like just spiraling and I think that is when oh, they quickly talk about uh, the deathless mother because he mentions mm-hmm. I forget what specifically no, right after what you said he says that fuck he's like yeah. he realizes that she used magic to escape through the portal and then that's when he's like what do you mean he's like she recited something the hut hut yes yeah. exactly and then Geralt recognizes that and then tells the quick story which I appreciated the shit out of this because the Deathless Mother's made up, Kyle, but it was awesome that they had this like quick piece of lore that the first witchers were actually the ones that were hired to trap the Deathless Mother as a monster in that cabin. And full circle, I thought that instantly made the whole Deathless Mother storyline from even the beginning of the season just way better. Oh, yeah, and, a lot more interesting. And also, if you guys didn't know, 
there is a new Netflix show coming out. It's called The Witcher Blood Origins, which is going to be about the creation of the first Witchers. So I'm hoping that that could be a part of it, maybe. Ooh, that would be awesome. That would be cool. That's yeah. a real easy opportunity for them to just lay up if exactly. they can nail that. I'm kind um, of shocked. So- I'm, if I'm honest, I'm shocked that that's not part of the books. It feels like... I, I I personally love it. I don't know if it was said earlier on podcast. I hadn't had a chance to listen yet, but just the idea of having a monster be a main villain in the show right now is incredible. It's just something that we've harped on that monsters are never mentioned in the books beyond the first prequel books. So it's really There's cool. a couple. There's a couple, but it's really cool seeing one appear as a main villain that it's not just an elf or a human or one of those distinct car- categories. It's mm-hmm. like a main villain here that is having a major effect on our main characters yes. here. So love to see it from the Deathless Mother and agree with Luke. The backstory on it was amazing, and hopefully we get it in the uh, Blood Origins. Yeah, this scene was just absolutely amazing. Uh, Geralt, Yaskier Synergy, incredible, but the actual content of what happened... You know exactly what you guys were saying. Yaskier is like, oh yeah, she muttered something about forest and a hut and a mother. And Geralt's like, turn you back to the forest hut hut. And he knows immediately. He is like an encyclopedia. I just love how he is mm-hmm. in all sense of the word a witcher. He knows yeah. everything. And he's how can you make this scene better besides to add a flying axe going right for Yasker's clothes and enter yeah. the fray, Yarpin, Zig- Yarpin Zigrin, Zigrin. Zigrin, yeah. God, that dude is so funny. Just his energy yeah. he brings. He's just like wild. He falls right into the character bucket below Siri and Yen for me. Like, yes, there was everybody else, but there's like that small one of like Yarpins in there. I can't think of any off of the top of my head right now, but there's a, <laughs> there's a group. There's a small couple of players there, but I love Yarpin and he just comes in comes in guns a blazing. I love how they're always swearing and just joking no matter what. And, and he's he's low-key a big part of the books, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, this is what he was called for in the books. I mean, this this is all like book, like last second to last book shit right here, which is awesome that they put it in season two. Huh? Or was this early? No, this might have been early. <laughs> I might have been getting confused, but uh okay. I, I see what you're saying. Just all like how it's like early. Yeah, I just like trail. Yeah, I just yeah. like okay. how it's this early. Before we get too far, I want to go back. Did you guys notice when Yaskier had a shirt off, if you weren't yes. distracted by his abs, he was wearing a necklace and it was a tuning fork? Do you see that? No. I just no. thought that was no. such a cool detail. And I actually ended up Googling it. And Joey Beatty, the guy who, the actor who plays Yaskier, was like, hey, like, can I have a necklace? And they're like, yeah, sure, go for it. So he chose that himself. There's also was, a ring on it. I don't know if that means anything. I, there is a ring on it. I don't know what that meant either. Hopefully, maybe, maybe that has some other meaning. It reminded me of uh, Lord of the Rings a little bit. Maybe it was just a shout out to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 Ask just rolling around with the ring of power. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a tribute to that uh, Oxford uh, one woman who he basically like fell in love with in the books. Yeah. I don't know if they'll touch it. But that could be that's it. What I, could that's be what I was thinking, honestly. That was that it could have been a sign from his like lover or whatever. But exactly what you said, Yarpin Zigrin and the other dwarves are there um, saying, hey, what are you doing here? Geralt's like, what are you doing here? You're, I thought you were supposed to be a lord, like in, in a vassal state in Kangorn. And he's like, ah, lording's for pissants. Uh, we run the roads for King Henslet now. So he is employed by King Henslet. Do we know who that is? You haven't met him. He is just the king of... Oh, where are they? Is he jacked? 
I think he's gonna be because they just make all. Yeah, there's been a couple surprise yoked guys, and I have not been complaining. <laughs> um, they, I, I don't know where they are actually. Oh, they're in Kedwan. Kedwan. Okay, gotcha. I wonder. I wonder if Yasker did steroids to get like that. I doubt it because I think that's a naturally obtainable physique. But I don't know what he looks like normally. So. One of my biggest complaints about the whole Witcher show, it was mostly about season one, was like the timeline jumping. And Yasker's pretty much the anomaly because he's supposed he should be like 50 at least, maybe, because he was at the, the he was at the ceremony with, with Dooney, the hedgehog, right? Like like he yeah. he was the reason Geralt was there was because he was with Yasker, and then like 30 something years goes by. So like that's the part that doesn't really make sense because Yasker looks like he's twenty, right? So I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, he looks better now than he did then. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing. So it's like I don't know. He should really be kind of older and not ripped at this point. Like he should be an aged bard that has that every town he goes to, people are like, oh, the bard Yasker. Like we know him because his songs uh, are just like yeah. so, and they they all tell about Geralt's like legendary trips and stuff like that. So like time passes a lot in the books and like he grows older and stuff. So it's a little, that's a little inconsistent because they just probably just loved him so much and needed a way to shoehorn Geralt into that wedding. So they made that age and inconsistency thing happen, but who knows? Never, My boy's yeah, ripped. I love it. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Purely distracted by the cum gutters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're saying he doesn't all four of us come summer. Oh yeah. I say that every summer. Yeah. <laughs> I said 30 years, but that's definitely wrong because Siri was just, it would have been however old Siri is, like 15, 20 years. So Siri's that old, 20. She's at least got to be like 15, right? Yeah. Well, like there's like a couple of years of the marriage itself. What is that? Yes. I guess that's only five years, but that's like a big five years. I feel like you get a lot older from 15 to 20. Sure. Yeah. I just love how Yaskier's saying he doesn't remember anybody here. Meanwhile, Geralt's like, yo, where's Lucas Cordo? He owes me money. Like, Geralt's just the man. They eventually get to the conversation. Yarpin, he's like, hey, we could always use some help. You could take Lucas's spot if you want. And Geralt's actually saying, I could use your help. I'll pay you double with interest. Um, you know, please help me out. Yarpin has a line. Usually I tell you to shit twice and die. Or on the trail and you never refuse help on the trail. Yeah, he basically uh, says, here, take my horse turns to his guys and is like, fuck the king, dude. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. He's like an amazing friend to have in this yeah. world. Absolutely. He's really cool. I really, really wanted Geralt to call the horse Roach. I'm sure he did. I wish they showed it. Yeah. Maybe he needs to bond with it a little bit before he can call it Roach. Mm-hmm. They did have the line though, right? Where he's like, you're not like my typical or whatever. But you'll do. I want him to be like, I'll call you. Roach and <laughs> just like fucking move on. <laughs> yeah, just call him Roach. Still. <laughs> Later on, we get them on the trail. Yaski is just talking to Geralt, saying, "You know, you didn't even want this child surprise. Now your entire life revolves around her. Like, is this really what you want?" And he says, "Yes, it is." Uh, what if you know Yen has hurt Siri? And Geralt's like, "Well, maybe I'll just have to kill her." Yaskier has a cool impersonation of Geralt. It's like, oh, you're so emotional. <laughs> that was a perfect impression, by the way. <laughs> I was dying so much. It was that. a really good impression, too, though, to be honest. That was a good impression. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to come back to Yaskier, Geralt, and Yarpin, and the rest of the crew in a bit. But, but first, got to catch up with Yen and Siri. 
Um, so we see them just uh, teleporting out of the Temple of Melatele. I should say portaling, not teleporting. Um, and the, Siri realizes this was the hut of the woman who took me in while I was on the run. You know, it was just before I met Geralt. These were nice people. Oh, maybe they fled and they ran away. Turns the corner. Nope, they're torched. <laughs> Rians, you know, Yen puts together. Rians was here. He was on the trail. Series, okay. more of Siri just saying everywhere I go, people die. It's like, what the fuck? I want to really quickly just, I'm sorry, I want to go back just for one quick funny comment. Uh, when they're riding up before they get to the house, they're talking about like Yen's history with Geralt and Siri makes a comment, oh, so you love him too? And she like pauses and like, I just love how Siri is just so used to Geralt being a womanizer. It's just like every girl that she has met so far has had a thing for Geralt. And it's just not... E- even Yennefer here, and she just makes this like funny comment. And I just love that. Doesn't that happen yeah. later? No, yeah, it's like right that, before. No, that's about to it come. Happens up. outside. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. So to get to that point, uh, Siri starts freaking out. Oh my god, Nilfgaarders after me. What if they have Geralt? Yen explains to her, if they do have Geralt, he'll keep them alive because they'll try to lure you there. They probably keep him at the nearest outpost, which is in Sintra. Like, don't worry. Yen's just being a bitch. Um, but Ciri's trust her, so they leave, and they grab these horses, and they're running them. And Dave, this is where they have this conversation. You know, Dude, they are riding the shit out of these horses. I don't know if these are stunt actresses or not, but they were galloping like a motherfucker. And I even wrote, as I'm writing my note, I said, these ladies are riding the shit out of these horses. And then Yen has the comment like, hey, maybe we should not ride so hard because they're going to get tired. And I was like, that's hilarious that she yeah. said that as I was typing that out. That's them. I believe that's Trey Allen and Anya Charlotta. I'm pretty sure this is actually the opening scene of this episode, too. I, I, I'm like, is them like waking up in the cabin or exiting the portal through the cabin? Because I just thought that the sound team crushed it with like when they decide to leave the cabin, they're going to have this conversation. The Deathless Mother's just like laugh comes in and it just sounds so freaking good and hits that like title sequence of like whatever symbol is going to represent the episode. But they always kill it with the sound team in, in The Witcher. Oh, it's unbelievable. The soundtrack for season one won like a bunch of awards. Just oh, really? So I didn't good. know that. Mm-hmm. They basically learn how much Geralt means to both of them. Yen didn't realize how much Geralt was to Ciri. So he ends up saying he's the father I never had, even though he's a grump of the First Order. I just love that line. Yeah, um, it's like, I'm about to be the fucking mom you never had, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, she's putting together like, oh shit, like you're basically his daughter. I just stole his daughter. What the fuck am I doing? And as Luke was saying, the death's mother is in her head the whole time. Like you're so close. You're about to get your chaos back. They come to this bridge. Bridge is out. And I think I want to say this is the Yoruga. Let's see. Do they cross the Yoruga? I think they do. And it totally sounds like a uh, a fantasy river. It's, it it's totally is, and it's like Mississippi. Yeah. It just goes all the way down the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is because when Geralt portaled in to Istrid, Istrid was on a map trying to find uh, a nice route for the elves to get to Sintra, and he was like, we can't do, do the Yoruga because it's been overflowing and it's like destroyed a bunch of shit. That's why I think the bridge is out. All right, Eagle Ears. Not confirmed. <laughs> Just putting that together. Um, so 
Trish, or not Trish, Jesus Christ, Yen was like, all right, let's see what we can do. Uh, she would be pissed if I was Geralt and I called her Trish by accident. Oh she would God. backhand me across the room. Yeah, you ain't marrying or banging her in our BKM, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she gives her a lesson. I guess this is lesson number two. Lesson number one was the Oboculum end of last episode. She's like, all right, lesson number two. Um, basically, just focus on what you want and make it real. Like, you could do this. I believe in you. Um, series bleeding from the eyes as as she's pulling the, the wood up and, and the boards together. Uh, she's so close. Yen's telling her to stop because she's going to freaking pop a blood vessel. She already did, but I was going to say she definitely did. So she fails. All everything drops. She starts screaming, fuck. And all of a sudden she kind of screams one more time, opens her eyes. And she's on the other side of the river with the horses. And yet they're like, oh, okay. That works. That's straight up teleporting. That's not portaling. That's teleporting. Yes. That's actually a unique distinction. I love just the mother side of Yennefer in this relationship here because every thought series had every time she's used magic is like, what am I going to destroy next? Who am I going to hurt next? And Yen just keeps harping on the fact. She just keeps saying, you know, remember where you come from. Remember, this is like going to be everything for you. Just I want you to just learn to enjoy the power, even though right now it's frustrating that you're not grasping it, but how she just keeps reinforcing her and just making just making it seem like you're not just destruction. So I really love that side of Yen. And you have power like this, never apologize. Exactly. I love the that com- line. That was a great line. The complete opposite of how Tris treats her. I mean, mm-hmm. Exactly. It be more different. So I'm sure it's a little comforting. <clears throat> that's why I, I love- wrote here, like, aw, like Yen teaching Siri how to use chaos is really nice. And then it was just, oh, oh no. Her eyes are bleeding. Her eyes are are literally leaking blood and they're just having a conversation. I was like, this went so south. Yeah. And and it comes at a great time, especially like you said, Kyle, like after she saw how Triss reacted to her power, it's just great seeing that Yen can appreciate her power while also encouraging it. And you can already just tell, like just fantasy tropey, like she is just her ceiling of power is just so much higher than everybody else like she's like kind of the chosen one whatever and but she doesn't have these decades of honing it and slowly growing it so when she starts doing this like explosion of power crazy shit just starts happening because she's not like Yennefer, anyone from the brotherhood like they had time to slowly culminate it with masters and she's just kind of being thrown into these whack situations yeah like fucking raise the bridge it's never in a safe spot too it's just always like out in the open it's not like formal training it's just like learn on the fly type of shit it's like learning math like just learning addition and it's like hey do this trigonometry problem you're like what like i was (laughs) takes years to get there that was such an engineer analogy (laughs) (laughs) really was it really was your engineer is showing so yen is holding serious face uh, and this is kind of like her motherly bonding moment. I think this is the beginning of her realizing, oh, you are like a daughter to Geralt. Maybe I could like see you being a daughter to me as well. And it would mean it would hit a lot better if she wasn't bringing her to her like certain death. Uh, and she wasn't leaking blood out of her eyeballs. <laughs> that too. Like give her a handkerchief or something. <laughs> I just couldn't like I was just not laughing, but like that was the only thing I was thinking about was that. That wasn't the first move. It was just, let's just talk this out. (laughs) (laughs) 
So eventually they get to the outskirts of Sintra. They see the monolith that fell um, that way back in season one. If you look closely, it looks like there's also a monolith in the middle of Sintra, like in the tower. I don't know if that's going to come into play later, but they do show it in that shot. Um, Siri tells Yen that she's the one that destroyed it. And Yen is like, what? You destroyed that? Like, she's putting together how powerful she is. Mm -hmm. She says to Siri, you know, if we get separated, remember that you have magic. It's all you have. It's all you ever need. It's everything. Basically talking about how she misses her chaos. But they have a weird line here. She says, like, Siri saying, when you had magic, you controlled the chaos, but it's the chaos that controls me. And no one's been able to teach me the other way around. We also hear Volith Mir, like in the background of Yen, saying, you know, you're so close, do what you have to do, seal your destiny. Um, she looks thrown off, and Yen kind of touches her. And I absolutely hated this scene. This I was just, the most confusing what the fuck scene ever. Yeah. I, it made no sense to me. So they basically communicate telepathically where Yen's saying, if you're afraid, turn back. The door mustn't be opened. Like you, you like, I don't, I don't even know. And Siri's saying like, you're still, yeah, but you're leading me there to the door. Like you tell me it shouldn't be open. Like turn back. It's not too late. Like, Oh, you were doing this all to deliver me. And she says, I have no choice. And then Siri lets go. And then they talk in person. And I'm just like, what the hell was the point of that? I, what I was thinking was that, like, I don't think if Siri had touched her and she wasn't like communicating with like the deathless uh, mother, nothing would have happened. happened. I think she kind of, kind of cut in the middle of their linking. Like she could hear the thoughts of deathless mother too in that scene too. I believe, I think we could hear her like vaguely in the background as well, but everything like, at the same time, because she was linked in that connection, she could also read Yennefer's thoughts. And this is how Yennefer truly feels in this moment is that she doesn't want to take her here. She knows that it's wrong, especially after the past couple scenes, we saw them together. This is just kind of me thinking it through. This is just kind of how I took it. I actually actually really like your explanation better than what I have. My only headcanon explanation is just, pulling at straws from down the line of books, guessing at how this could be explained, which I don't think they'll ever get into. But I like that a lot better. The fact that Siri was hearing the deathless mother in her head and kind of like getting in between the thoughts. And yeah, that's better. I'm using that. I like that a lot. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Because I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Siri just got done explaining how the chaos controls her, not the other way around. So it can't be her. Yen doesn't have the magic. So how the fuck is she doing this? And if they were doing it so the deathless mother couldn't hear, right after they like break the connection, they say it out loud and they basically say Yen's betraying the deathless mother. So I was like, what the fuck is this? But if you're saying Siri kind of jumped in during the deathless mother Yen telepathic connection, mm-hmm. just kind of went yep. with the flow, if you will. Yeah, I, I think like she that. just like overheard the thoughts. And then snuck in and was like asking her those questions. That's just what I kind of. That has to really be it because there's no way to possibly explain this away as like a rule or like a magic connection in the future. Like it's just such a one-off scenario. So that sounds better to me that it's deathless mother related. Cool. Yen is saying, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Siri. I didn't know who you were, what you are or what you mean to him. You know, Geralt's not here. He never was. Sorry. I lied to you. Siri's freaking out saying, you know, you led the mage to the Temple of Militile. Like, we needed you and you betrayed us. 
Like you brought Rianne to us to take me. She's saying, I'm selfish. I'm stupid. Please. You have to come with me. Siri finally snaps and says, I don't trust you. And it comes out in two voices, her voice and a deep voice. This is just her using her power unknowingly creates a huge just fissure in the ground perpendicular to the the monolith one the biggest one we've seen so far the biggest fissure we've seen it goes so far as to crack the walls of Sintra way down the line which causes Sintra soldiers to chase after them yen grabs a stick (laughs) she's like get away i love the resolve i love the resolve even if she's useless she's still going to try and fight i love it Dude, uh, but this scene is so Siri, fucking fire. The second half of this scene, Siri puts up a huge fight, which was great. She she's able to you know get some cuts in before she gets held down. I thought she Looks got a like, nice kill in. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, like, I was thinking like, life, like a nice Arya mm-hmm. style kill, just like fuck you. So all seems lost when Geralt comes in swinging, saves the day. You know he's riding on a horse, swinging that shit, cuts everybody down in seconds. We even see Yarpin come in with his boys. They fuck some shit up. Oh my uh, god, Yarpin's boys like completely decapitate one of the guys, and it's not even Yarpin. <laughs> that was just amazing. Yeah, yes, they were, like, catches playing it. with them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's canon that the dwarves are a lot stronger, too. They're really, really good fighters. Yeah. yeah. He was like holding his axe on the guy's chest, and another guy came in and like hit it in and shit. I was like, they're so just fucking kind of cool. Having yeah. fun. If you notice that, um <laughs> Yarpin, that was Yarpin's weapon, and it looked like it had a like golden fist on it. There was some backstory to it that Yarpin supposedly killed a Nilfgaardian. I think it was a Nilfgaardian, or maybe it was an elf or something. I can't remember. And killed him, cut off his hand, dipped it in bronze or gold, and then put it on his weapon so everybody, like, he could kill people with it. I was like, that's just so cool. So badass. So tough. But I just got to say, my favorite, one of my most fucking iconic like little subtle moments of this whole episode and arguably the whole fuck this the whole season is this whole fight right like every it's all chaos going on and as soon as it ends or right before it's about to end like series like on the ground so two amazing things happen here one just them focusing on henry cavill and how absolutely met like pissed he is that they're like about to touch siri that was just so incredible because that's just is how he should react and then, you know, we'll we'll go back to if you want to talk about anything specifically. But after they clean up everybody, everyone's dead. And he's like picking up Siri, making sure she's OK. And he's like looking her right in the eyes. And Yennefer walks up and in the most badass fucking no look way, he whips that sword up right to Yennefer's neck. And I was mm. like, holy fuck, bro. It was so cool. I screamed. I was like, yes, I love this. Yen's a bitch right now. She's acting like a bitch. Geralt's pissed. And that was just the most badass way to say you're fucked, Yen. You're fucked. Without the um, elixirs, too. Like, he did all of this just normal. Mm. He doesn't need it against humans. They don't even stand a chance against him. Yeah. He says, like, how could you do this? All she says is, I'm sorry. Like, Mm. bitch. Yeah. That's when when you know you fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) You just have nothing. He he tells Yaskier, uh, takes Yeri back to Karamor, and she knows the way, you know, Yarpin and the boys could like escort you there um oh i can't stay with you he goes no i'm going to slay a monster i'll be with you soon we get a yes gear going up oh the child surprise i've heard so much about it's so good to meet siri just walks on by him and you're like like father like daughter like you guys are just assholes (laughs) even yarpin this line oh my god give me chills yarpin 
uh, is surprised. And he's like, this girl, she's yours. And with the sword still at Yen's throat, looking Yen looks, right in the eyes, looks Den, Yen right in the eyes. And it says, mine. Yes, mine. She is mine. I was like, ooh, you fucked up. This, this, is so, this whole scene had so many gold little moments and all mm. like surrounding Geralt. Did they ever and, have like a, a fight? Like were in the books, I can't remember. Were they ever this like was the tension ever this big between them ever? I would say no. when I would say the wish scene, like that, like I with mean, the okay, genie, yeah, and like, like when he first one, met but, her, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's why this is I'm interested to see how they repair this relationship between them. Because I mean, it's I can't it's not a spoiler really. Like I, I we have to assume at this point in time that Geralt and Yen are like lovers. So I'm just interested to see how their French, like if anything, they're going to repair this this friendship at this point. In time. I think that's what rubbed me the wrong way. Is I'm like, mm. this rift, this division between them should have never really happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a rift that happens, but it's not because Yen was trying to sacrifice Geralt's daughter. So yeah. I don't. It, I it I can ruined. Under- I understand where you're coming from, at least it, just because it didn't ruin Yen's character. But I was like, bro, it brought her down a little bit for me yeah. too. Definitely that. But she doesn't have much in life. I mean, she can't have a kid. I'm just trying to defend, I guess, a little bit here. You know, she just can't have a kid. She just lost her magic. And at this point in time, she's already been willing to try anything to have a child. So it's just going to even emphasize that she's going to go to greater lengths to get her power back. But agreed at, at the sacrifice of Geralt's child. It's like a little rubs me the wrong way. But I think they're doing a good job of it. Like this is developed for a couple episodes now i want to say and I, I i think they were doing a good job and i'll, I'll leave it in their hands to do a, a good job of bringing it back full circle so to, to finish this episode we, we get yen saying you know hut hut they teleport to the the forest of the deathless mother um as yen is saying the uh incantation we kind of see it's a dual scene where we see francesca having a dream that like somebody's coming for her baby some dude in a cloak and a dagger she actually wakes up to Phil Evangel holding the bleeding baby and she just loses it. And I, that was the insane. elven, the elven baby that brought all this hope was just murdered like two days after its birth. I thought it was going to be a foreshadowing kind of thing. Um, the deathless mother, as this is going on, is feeding off of Francesca's pain. And she actually gets so much power that she is able to burn through the hut, her enclosure her uh, host, if you will, um, and is able to free herself and ends up going to find Siri. The last thing we get is Siri going on the trail to Caramorn, and it's almost like ashes, a cloud of ashes coming up and just kind of just goes right into Siri somehow, and you see her eyes change color. And then we see her, we hear the Death's Mother laugh, and the credits roll. I was like, next episode, right away, next episode. Yes. I'll just comment real quick. I I'm someone that absolutely dislikes any plot points that involve possession. Usually, um, they do a good job, I guess, in in episode eight because there's like a lot of reasoning behind their decision to do this. But you know, I always feel like it's a just a lazy plot point because it's never permanent and it's always just like a little just way to raise tension when you know it's not real. So. Didn't love that she like possessed Siri, and we'll talk about this way more when we cover episode eight. But you know, yeah, I, not not a huge fan. Uh, but it was cool to see 
you know, the deathless mother encaged somehow escaped from that monolith. We see like the fiery ashes coming out of the giant fissure that Siri of Mish originally caused in season one. Um, and really quickly, I did like that. We saw the hut actually stand up on that basilisk legs. I did say that like episode two, I was like, I really hope we see it. We eventually did. That was cool. Mm -hmm. um, I, Luke, I like what you were talking about. I agree. Possession isn't the, it's not the most advanced plot line to throw into a story. I agree with you on that. Um, but it was a twist for me just because again, I hate to keep saying, you know, I'm a book reader, all this stuff. And I just didn't see this scene coming. And at first, again, I think like a lot of the, uh, scenes I've seen in this this second season so far, I'm, I'm like always a little hesitant, but I got to sit back and then like kind of soak it in a little bit. I thought it was really interesting. I think just having, especially the character who is supposed to be the bat, like either the greatest good of all time or the worst evil of all time, you know, having they kind of need her to have that fluctuation point. Like, is this going to be the part that drives her over the edge? Because as we saw, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but she does as she's possessed she does some dark things and are those dark things going to lead her down that path continuously and it is a little lazy i guess you could say but i i didn't mind it per se it felt fine to me at the end of it i'm not going to say like i absolutely loved it but it eyes was, looked it was really fine. cool though yeah the eyes Green. looked amazing yeah i agree i think it works best doing it with siri though i feel like oh 100 like you couldn't have possessed anyone season is, is yeah is like how strong is she really and it kind of you're left at the end of this episode of like, okay, she's now possessed by this demon. That's <clears throat> this demon that's been <laughs> kind of pulling the strings throughout this entire season. Who does this demon now know how to use her powers? Like, will Siri all of a sudden possessed Siri be able to actually direct this immense power that she has towards something that will assumedly be evil? So obviously with, you know, being a, a complete virgin of, of Witcher knowledge, I, I don't mind it that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan without going too much in the finale. It ends up being, you know, it's not the worst possession in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we'll cover that way more, but that's pretty much it for this episode. The only thing I wanted to touch on, and this was a bit of a, a gripe I had. And this was the only instance, though, in the series, really, that they've kind of shown this. Series? <laughs> Shut up. Boo. Oh, <laughs> so traveling has never really been an issue because of portals. But this episode, it makes no sense. And right, you're going you're gonna to have to follow along on my sweatshirt here, okay? So this is the continent, right? So at the end of last episode, continent. that's a yeah, big, is. wide, strong content. <laughs> so at the end of last episode, Geralt, Siri, and Yen all together. Geralt, we'll, we'll do Yen first. So Yen and Siri <laughs> teleport from the Temple of Militele, which is this E, down into Sintra. And then and they needed from like the middle down south. Yeah. So they, it teleports. So it doesn't matter. But they travel from here to Sintra. This is the hut they went on, and this is Sintra. Geralt, he ends up getting teleported from the Temple of Militile to Oxenfurt, which is like all the way over here. Then he he gets Yashgir yeah, for, for some reason, rides this way to Kedwan, where he meets so, up with Yarpin. Literally somewhere all the way across the other side of the continent. Yeah. 
And then from there, him and Yarpin Yaskier ride on horse all the way down to Sintra. And yeah. they just get there in time to save Yen and Siri as they're basically about to get destroyed by these soldiers. Yeah. So the only thing is Yen and Siri traveled this distance. Yerald traveled Yerald. this distance. Yerald. <laughs> Geralt. Sound and like me in the episode one and two. That's Yasker and Geralt together. It makes sense. You're right. Oh, fuck. Geralt. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, and I mean, basically, I, I was going to say something similar when we talked about the scene, but I didn't want to bring things down. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice that you actually even outlined right there that Siri and Yennefer kind of just take a quick little jaunt out to the east <clears throat> for like, what, a, maybe a quarter of the width of the map while Geralt is going... He's going what all northeast. Around. Now he's going northwest. He's all the way on the other side, and now he comes all the way back down. I just thought it was funny that like Siri makes the crack, and then they're like, "Oh my god, the soldiers found out!" And then it's like, "Oh my god, they're here!" And I was like, "How did they yeah. get there that fucking fast? They didn't have time to run ten feet from where they were to their horses." And yeah. then yeah, Geralt conveniently comes, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not defending it. Yeah, I the fight. Either. I feel like if. Imagine if the fight was bad too, that would have been horrendous. Mm-hmm. The fight being so good, I think you you kind of forget about it. I feel like that's yeah. we we've mentioned that before on one some podcasts. Just like usually the issue with these fantasy shows is a lot of like jetpacking. Yeah, just a lot of just not ex- explaining the world terrain that much. And, yeah, I mean, this show in general, I feel like I have fucking no idea where we are whenever we're anywhere. Mm. They barely show you in that. It's it's bad. I think yeah. the they showed you a little bit. Seen. Yeah, it yeah. was in this season. This in my show, head, I feel like Sintra's in the middle of everything just because people go there all the time. This but show, really like if Southwest. any, should have used the Game of Thrones method of just like somehow showing it in like the intro sequence in some way because mm-hmm. it's tough to get a grasp, especially if you haven't played the video games like I haven't. It took me like five books to understand anything about like the map. Mm-hmm. They don't do a good job of it at all. You basically just need to start recognizing the names of the northern countries like Redania and Sintra, like they're all in the north. Like Aratuza, like the mages, that's like kind of off the down west. a little bit. Yeah, Aratuza is like off the west coast. Nilfgaard's like super far south, all invading north. So every time they're talking about like the northern kingdoms, it's basically everybody but Sintra, which is all like you know, it's yeah. not worth talking about anymore. But because the map yeah. isn't, it's not, it's not it done does that cleanly. Seem like they may maybe sh- like shows because even will of time i think would have benefited from a similar thing with like the math being some type of interactive yes they show on screen i just feel like they're probably shying away from it because no one wants to be like a game of thrones copycat but it was a fucking amazing idea i mean like everyone knows what fucking westeros looks like i could fucking draw it from memory right now and pretty much (laughs) hit every single country in west that is a hundred percent because of Game of Thrones risk that we just played the shit out of. That also, yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like, and even if you just watch the show, like you have a general idea of where things are relative to each other. Definitely, I agree. They do a, they lack a little bit on the geography aspect. That's just one thing. But other than that, I thought it was a good but, episode. Yeah, if you guys the characters, the characters themselves are so strong. It just honestly makes me forget a lot. Mm, that definitely. I don't know where I am, where it lacks, it excels in other points and kind of can i can overlook a little because like traveling is okay yes it's a little annoying but it's not the gonna make or break a show for me you know but final remarks definitely thought that it, it's it's hard to say because i binged it like relatively quickly but i feel like every episode has gotten better and i think seven and eight are the strongest so as of this point into the podcast i think seven might have been my favorite episode i love Garrett and yasker together 
I love Yasker. I really love Yasker, and Yasker is pretty good too. Might, but, as well uh, with, <laughs> might as well hit it with a score too at this point. Yeah, I dude, like eight out of ten. And I would go back and change my first two episode ratings because I thought the first two episodes actually, in hindsight, were the weakest, and then it pretty much just like slope straight up. I will give this episode to the Frangilla scene just carries this episode so much for me. Eight and a half. Change my mind. Forgot about that. So uh, I <laughs> see. I, it's funny because usually I feel like I'm on the higher end of things, but I'm going to actually give it a seven and a half. I think I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, it's just like, like I said, besides the Frangilla stuff, it was just a lot of setup for the next episode. Like my next episode rating will be a lot higher. I just think this was just a, a perfect introduction to the the monster villain of the Deathless Mother, um, reiterating the badass frangilicy, and we get a lot of po- politics. And that's what I really like, actually, about the show, too, that I quickly want to say that I, if I haven't made this clear on the podcast before, is that they're going into a lot of the characters on this, like the side characters that we didn't get really too much into in the books. Like a lot of the characters in the books that I can only really remember and what they do is like our main group of people like in the show though i'm really paying attention to like francesca's arc i'm really paying attention to sisea Istrid gets a lot more dextra yeah like all that stuff so even still i'll give it a seven and a half i think the next episode will be a, a lot generous more generous rookie okay so i'm going to completely ignore what i gave episodes one two and potentially three and four not a relative scale <laughs> me at all. too yeah me yeah, too yeah <laughs> well, that's the problem with i think i gave one and two a higher score yeah. than this one and i would go back and change that hard. exactly totally uh, although i do think that i'm getting better at like thinking about it more so i think in the future when we do shows i'll be better at like if i enjoy an episode it's pretty good you know it's a seven Instead yeah, exactly. of it being like an, an eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, uh, I'm gonna I think this was a nice eight out of ten. Um a lot of things get a lot of storylines we've been following kind of are coming to a head now. We're getting characters that we like are grouping back up together, mm-hmm. which is really nice. And it's I think it's just a really, really good penultimate episode. We're really setting things up for a, a banger of a finale. Yasker and, and Geralt together are just great. So and then yes, the Frangilla scene was was really good. My first time watching, I I just was speechless. Like I was I was four, four, five. <laughs> Going back, it is a really interesting story. Uh this episode in particular, you guys already nailed everything. You know, Geralt and Yasker reunion and just their synergy nonstop is incredible. It's getting reintroduced to Yarpin. Um Fringilla being a badass. There was just a lot of cool shit. I would give it, I'm going to give it um, an eight. I would give it an eight. (laughs) After I just talked some smack on it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would give it an eight or actually I'll give it a, I'll give it a seven and a half. I would give it an eight if the geography shit matched up, but the timeline jumping of Geralt and Yen and Siri traveling just basically 20 more times the distance mm-hmm. and being the same time it bothered me a little bit and that stupid scene with uh Gar- with siri hearing yennefer's thoughts yes that that bothered me a little bit so seven and a half out of ten still really enjoyed it and i really just love this show even though i am i every time i talk it seemed to be a little bit negative <laughs> at first but i do really enjoy it i want you guys to know that your baby uh, that's why you just you want you love it and you just want the best for it that's all yeah but that's going to do it for episode seven. 
Uh, if you like what you heard, our podcast also covers Wheel of Time, Dexter, Midnight Mass, Rick and Morty, a lot of different shows, but really good shows. If you want to toss a coin to your binge town, I'm already tired of saying that. We have a Patreon up where you can become a binge town homie. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and hit subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Or the easiest way to do all of that is to check us out at our website, bingetowntv.com. Like Kyle is saying, go birds. We are so excited to cover The Witcher. Thank you so much for listening to us and have a good day. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 